January either. June, June 28th, next Sunday after second service, we want to invite you guys to stay. We're going to have a thank you party for Pastor Carl Thomas. He was our junior high pastor um, for a lot of years. Uh, Gosh, I want to say almost close to eight years. He was our middle school pastor. Um, I would say right when he got started, about four or five months into it, he came down with throat cancer. Um, And so then he had to put the junior high on pause um, and they went through treatment and all that and so forth. And so they told him, uh, you know, that his voice, even though he was cancer free and so forth because of where the cancer was at, that he wouldn't really be able to speak. His speech would start slowly going away. And they told him it would only be a couple of years. And so here we are seven years later. He's still talking. Um, but again, it's kind of worn him out a little bit and stuff. And so he decided to step down. And so uh, many of you guys know we have Stephen and Abby Vital who are uh, taking over the junior high. But before they start their official first Thursday night, junior high night, uh, we wanted just to give Carl just a big thank you. So we encourage you guys to show up next Sunday after second service hangout. We're going to get pizzas and things like that. And, you know, Carl will hate this, um, but, you know, just give him some, like, um, fake hugs. I was going to say he really would love hugs, and he doesn't. He's, like, not that personal space guy. Um, but just, and write, man, write him a card. Just give him a word of encouragement. And it's just a way for us just to rally around Carl and just thank him. So that's next Sunday after second service. We'll be doing that with Carl. Um, and then also, just as a reminder, coming up on, the, I think it's June, or July. July 5th is our next fa- uh, food fellowship meals where we get to hang out and just have lunch together. So that's coming up on the first Sunday of the month like normal. Uh, but going forward, the new protocol is... Uh, you know, you don't need to bring food. And so normally, you know, we have a big potluck, but with everything going on, you know, we'll be preparing it and making it, you know, there in the back of the kitchen, and then we'll serve it to you guys. And so that will be happening on the first Sunday of July. Um, And then also for you ladies, we do have a women's study coming up uh, July 13th. That's a Monday. So there's going to be two opportunities this time. Um, So we will have a Monday morning, a 9 uh, a.m. Bible study for you ladies. Lori Gard will be leading that. Um, And then if you're not able to make the morning uh, one, you can come in the evening at 7 o'clock. My wife will be leading the uh, evening session. So they're studying the book of Jude. Um, There'll be a a book that goes along with it. The books are 14 bucks a pop. That's just what we paid for them. If you ladies can't afford it, just don't worry about it. Talk to my wife. She'll get you a book. Um, And you'll be going using that book as you go through the book of Jude. Uh, So that's July 13th, 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. Now, unfortunately, we won't have any child care available Um, You know, really, children's ministry, all those things, we probably won't be coming back until phase three or something like that. And so, um, you know, just if you're able to get babysitters on your own, great. Uh, But for now, that's just kind of the protocol, you know. So the guys, the kids are all with us on this service, and we'll just do that until things change. So I think that's it. Let's turn into, not turn into, let's turn to, man, this is not my morning, is it? (laughs) <laughs> Let's turn to the book of First Peter. We're going to be looking at First Peter chapter three this morning. First Peter chapter three. First Peter. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get right into the study this morning. So Father, we just come before you and just thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come. And to worship you, to be with your people, to be with the saints of God, to worship and to to get into your word this morning. And so, Father, we just thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. 
we are going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it, Lord. And we thank you for that. Father, I thank you for dads. Lord, I just today I know that, you know, this is kind of like this, you know, big national holiday, Lord. But we are grateful for the dads in our lives and, and, and even men who have been in our lives who maybe aren't necessarily our bi- biological fathers, um, but they have been dads to us. They have, they have led us. They have encouraged us. They have inspired us, Lord. And so on this day, we definitely want to just give you thanks for those men in our lives and those dads who have just uh, given so much and sacrificed so much for us, Lord. And, and Father, we give, we give great thanks for you, Lord, the ultimate Father, Lord, the Father who, who fills in all the cracks, Lord, who's able to, to minister and knows exactly our very need, um, even when we don't speak it audibly. And so we do thank you, Lord, as our ultimate Father. And so, God, we just ask now that you would speak to us. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. We thank you for this time, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at this section in 1 Peter, uh, picking up in in verse 18, right? So it's chapter 3, verse 18. And we're looking kind of on the tail end of the sufferings of Christ and the impact that Jesus had. And as we go through this, really, it, it begins to give us the, it rounds up this fullness of who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and even the sufferings of Christ that then pushes us forward to live new lives in Christ Jesus. And this morning, as we think about that, we're actually, the way I've been looking at it is I really have just seen Jesus as, I know it's going to sound weird, but I just think of this picture of Jesus being the ultimate time traveler, man, where he just comes in and takes our place like on our behalf, invading time and space. Um, this is something I plan to do today because it's Father's Day and I get to control the remote. Um, but we're going to probably binge watch a little bit of Quantum Leap. Has anyone ever seen Quantum Leap? Come on, Quantum Leap in the late 80s, early 90s, NBC. I love time travel. I love sci-fi and those kinds of things. Um, I, I am like, there is a moment where I'm going to get into Doctor Who yet. I haven't made that leap yet, but I will soon. But Quantum Leap is definitely something that I, that I loved watching as a kid. And I've probably seen the season now three times already. Once when it was airing live and then twice since, you know, uh, uh, Amazon and so forth. So I think that they're already paid for. So we should just stream them today. But one of the premises about this that I really like that kind of made me think of the gospel, is, especially as we're thinking here, was the premise of the movie is this guy, right? He's a quantum physicist, right? This scientist. And he's trying to discover time travel, right? And so he's not having much success. And so then uh, the government's like, hey, we're going to pull your funding. We're done. And so in this like last attempt to like keep his project going, he actually experiments on himself and actually time travels. But the snafu is, is that when he time travels, instead of just being like this time travel, like just being able to travel around incognito, he actually travels in and lands in another human being, a person. And so everyone, like in the show, like, like whenever he looks in the mirror, he's dressed like either a guy or a girl or something like that. But everyone else around him sees that person that he time traveled into. And so the whole premise of the show is that he's wanting to get back to his you know, headquarters or to his lab. But the only way he can do that is that he has to set whatever problem there is. He's got to fix that problem. And sometimes it's like, um, it's like historical. It's like commentary. One of my favorite episodes where he was like back in the hillbilly days, you know, and he's like on this porch hanging out and he did the good deed of the show. But it's like, you know, he hasn't left yet. And so he's sitting with this little kid and there's this kid playing guitar and he's like singing Piggy Sue, Piggy Sue. And then the guy looks it over and goes, hey, try Peggy Sue. 
And so then he does Peggy Sue, and then instantly he leaps out, because, like, he was supposed to set Buddy Holly right, you know. Um, but anyways, the whole premise is that he's setting the wrongs right, and then he takes off. And as I thought about that, in a weird way, I thought about how Jesus did that for us. And how Jesus invaded our time and space. And he came, and not just that he walked among us, but at the key critical moment, right? Because oftentimes in that show, like right before it was going to be really intense, or there was going to be a suffering or something really intense, especially with historical, he would leap out of there just in time. But when I think about how Jesus, when you obviously, in, in fact, Jesus didn't leap out of there when it got tough. Jesus actually endured the suffering. Right? When the time came, the Bible says that when he was crucified, right, he was crucified just as though he was a sinner, just like me and you. He traded place with us, and not so that he could get home, but so that he can make a home for each one of us. And as I think about the impact of that and the power of that, really, Peter just brings it to a head so that now the good that we want to do and, and the way in which we live our lives is not so much in just simply wanting to just be a good guy or a good citizen, but it really becomes then a response, living in, a re- in response. And in some ways, really, the Christian life has never been about do's and don'ts, but about thankfulness. Thankful that this man, Christ Jesus, came and traded place with us, giving us grace giving us grace, not just for this day, but, but days to come. And as we look at that, just kind of ending on this whole thing, we're going to look at three things this morning that just really highlight really the suffering and the power of what it meant for Jesus to trade places with us. And the first thing we're going to look at is the just for the unjust. And then we'll do a little bit more of Okay, maybe I'm just cheesy, but we're, we're going to do a little bit more time travel and go back and look at the time of even Noah and the flood a little bit in this picture of the baptism of the heart. And then thirdly, right, no flesh from the past, right, of, of moving forward, moving forward. You can almost say back to our future, right, to this new future. I know, I know, time travel is something like, okay, quantum leap and back to the future today. That's Father's Day and steak. That's what we're doing today. <laughs> okay, so the first thing we look at is let's look at verse 18, right? For the first one, the just for the unjust. And here how, is how Peter is summarizing it all. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. And so the first thing we, we highlight in this deed, this act of Jesus, was that he, the just man, was being traded for us, the unjust. Look what it says there. That Christ suffered once for sins. The word also is really something that we need to pay attention to, right? Because what it is, is that word also, it's like bringing us into the story. Like God recognizes that we suffer right now. And even right now, even as we really, as we're living in this time of like this COVID area and social unrest and so forth, you know, I think we're getting close to some of what we might call suffering. Because I think like you in many ways, 
And again, I don't know your personal story, right? Many of you have some pretty intense personal tragedies and personal stories of suffering, right? And, and so even in some ways, I know we've been through some of it, but all the suffering, especially when we look in the regards of suffering for doing good, right? We realize that Jesus was the one that really brought us into that fold. And so that when he suffered, when it says that he also suffered, right, he's, he's also taking on the suffering of humanity. When I think about, about all the things that are going wrong right now, really the bigger picture, and some might say, well, this is just oversimplifying it. But what we're seeing is that we are seeing the effects of sin in our world. Right? The heartache. Right? The, the racism. The, the, the breaking down of our bodies that becomes then a host for all these diseases. All these things are a result of sin that have entered this world. And we think like, man, you know, oftentimes we'll hear that, you know, how could a just or a loving God allow suffering in times like this? How could a God like that be, say he's loving, but then see all the sin of humanity just wrecking havoc among us. And we have to understand that he didn't just sit back. He didn't just allow suffering to happen. We see here in 1 Peter that, that Jesus is in himself remedying, right, sin. He's actually taking it on himself. Right, because the Bible says, right, there is no forgiveness of sin without first the shedding of blood. It was a picture that we see over and over throughout the Old Testament. It was something that was brought to the forefront every time the priest would go into the temple and they would spend this time with these animal sacrifices. Yes, there's animal sacrifices in the Bible, right? And it was a picture of just sin and the havoc that, that, that sin wrecks in humanity. And here they would have to offer this lamb Right, that would take care of our sins. And yet we see Jesus as the Lamb of God who suffered once and for all to remedy, to give hope right, to the suffering that we all go through at times. Right? And so look what he says there. It says that Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. And this is where we see God trading places with humanity. He, Jesus, the just, the one who lived holy, the babe of Bethlehem coming and living among us, coming into our time and our space and then taking on our sinful humanity. Talk about, man, trading. I mean, how many of you guys, right, when you're trading, you like to do, you like to make fair trades, I would imagine, right? You guys are trading like Pokemon cards or you're, you're, you're trading vehicles or whatever the case may be, right? You want something that's fair. You want, you know, when we do trades, especially when we were kids, right? We did it in a way that we were going to win. We were going to gain, right? I mean, you held your, your best car or your best card for a last because you wanted to get the upper hand. But when you think about it in the eyes of eternity, right? And when we think like God... He's taken on the worst of us. He, he's taken on our sinful nature, right? The, the wording there is really powerful. It's just just for unjust. Trading places, right, for us. He suffered once for sins, just for the unjust. And here's how, here's 
why, what makes this intense, right? The Bible says there that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God cares about humanity. When we see the death of Jesus, we know that he cares about our suffering in those moments. Because he was willing to suffer on our behalf. You know, in Hebrews chapter 4, which we didn't get to really finish because of everything that was going on. It says in chapter 4 that he was tempted in every way as we are as human beings. And he went through, you could say, the proverbial ringer and yet was without sin. Having become like the perfect offering, the just for the unjust that we might what? Men. Be brought close to God. His suffering brings us and draws us closer to Him. His suffering removes the barriers and the things that keep us. I mean, have you ever, you know, seen those tracks and so forth, you know, where you have like this bridge, right? And then there's like a cross and it's supposed to be like bridging the gap. I mean, I think it is an accurate picture of us being distant from God and then God by His suffering and death for us brings us close brings us in to humanity. There's no way for us to come close to God except through the suffering of Jesus. As he trades the just for the unjust. Right? It says that he was put to death in the flesh, suffering as a a human or as a human being, but then made alive by the Spirit of God. And this is where you really see the miraculous. You guys remember at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, right before he began this road of miracles and even suffering, right? He went out and he was baptized by who? Who was he baptized by? Anyone? By Peter. And what? Close. In the early ministry, he was baptized by. You Bible, how about like a lot of children's ministry kids? Who is Jesus baptized at the beginning of his ministry? Anyone? John the Baptist. Yeah, good job, Asher. <laughs> yes, John the Baptist. And what happens? As he was being baptized, right, a voice from the heavens came and says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? And then it was, says that he was baptized by the Spirit of God and went out. And it was here in that miraculous, as Jesus was empowered and did by the Spirit, and it was that same Spirit that just as Jesus was being put to death on the cross, the Spirit of God still working miraculously rose him from the dead. Now here's the amazing part of, about this for us as believers and the power of the cross is we have to understand that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives inside of us. It's the same power that has given us as followers of Jesus new life. The same Spirit that was upon Jesus through the suffering through the beatings as the same spirit that has taken me and you, right? And brought us one together with him that we might be made alive, alive in the spirit, right? The just for the unjust. God trading places with us just as though he sinned so that we might have new grace, new mercies. The just for the unjust. The second thing we have in Christ that we see, right, and this is kind of where we go back a little bit, 
is the baptism of the heart. Look what happens. Now, this is kind of a fun thing to check out. But look what it says in verse 19, right? That he was made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient when once the divine suffer or the divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water and so peter goes back in time a little bit to explain this picture of what was to come he actually goes back to the time of noah now, the heavy thing about Noah is, is, as you see this, right, when we, as we get close to the baptism of the heart, it was a time that's very much like our own right now. I've, I've had, you know, several people who have asked me, it's like, man, do you think that right now with everything going on that we are living in the last days? Like, are we getting closer for the return of Jesus? And, and, and then in one part, it's like, yeah, like in one aspect, yes, right? All the days after the time that Jesus ascended into heaven, we are technically living in the last days. But as far as this time and as as how bad it is and how intense it is with unrest and pestilence and wars and rumors of wars, are we living the days truly where Jesus is coming back for his church? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But you know what I do know? It is weird how it parallels the time of Noah because the Bible says in the time of Noah... People were just living life. They were getting married. They were partying. They were doing all these things. And here was Noah, you know, just pulled from among these people, all this craziness that was going on. And God has him build this ark, this huge ark, right? And we realized later that it was an ark of judgment. Why? Well, because Peter said that there were sons of disobedience who were just in extreme wickedness. In Genesis chapter 6, it tells us that, that very possibly what he's referring to here is that there was these, what we call, it's kind of what I was told when I was in Bible college, the Nephilim, right? These sons of God who were considered, and this is kind of fun and we can talk more later, but these sons of God who were considered giants or Nephilim who intermingled, intermarried with the sons of men And it produced these intense guys, these giants or these evil, wicked men that really brought the earth to this place of wickedness. And so God raises up this man, Noah, who later on, Peter, who testifies to this or actually calls him a preacher of righteousness. Right. And so we don't know whether he was actually preaching kind of like this gospel, if you will, um, but definitely by faith. And this gets even more intense, right? Because up until that point, what we know about the scriptures is that it was just this beautiful place. It hadn't rained yet or anything like that at all. Noah's like building this ark and telling everyone, hey, it's coming. Rain's coming. It's going to flood. And people are just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, the, and Peter calls him a man of God, a man who was preaching righteousness. And at the end of that day, the only people who responded to that message of salvation were him and seven other people, his own family members, right? And so Peter tells us during that time that Jesus was not on the cross, right? He was in the heavenly places, that he went down and was preaching to those people who were wicked during that time, the people who were just full-on anti-God, rebelling against God, and he preached to them. How all that works out and so forth, 
Man, I'm telling you, I, I still, it, it, it is fun to study, but here's the point of all that. It was a picture of what was to come. That one day that God would come, Jesus, and not in a literal flood, but would come and deal with the wickedness on the, on the earth and through His resurrection, baptize us into new life. Not just, just like the way it was for those guys, because those guys really, Noah and his crew, when they were saved in the ark, the Bible says that God actually shut them in. It doesn't even say that there was like automatic doors. It just says that God shut them in and they were preserved. And as God kept them on that ark floating during those 40 days of judgment, right? The old world was passing away and this new world was forming. And isn't that so much like us as followers of Jesus? When we recognize the power of the cross and when God grabbed a hold of us, it's like that. It's not so much this outward baptism. Like we, many of us, we have baptisms here and so forth. And it is really, it's just a, it's an outward declaration of what God is doing on the inside. But really what's happening is, is that we're being brought in. We're being brought in to suffer just as Jesus suffered. So just as Jesus was crucified and resurrected, so too we go through that experience and the old man dies and the new man gets raised up into new, into new life and gives us a brand new conscience, a clear conscience. You know, one of the, the sweetest like, moments for me of, of experiencing God for the first time on my own was when I finally came to the Lord Jesus. When I... When I you know, got saved, if you will, or, or came to a, a, into a living relationship with God. I remember just being there and just hearing the power of the cross and hearing what Jesus had done for me. And I had come to this place where, man, I was just overwhelmed, overwhelmed with guilt and, and shame and all, all the deeds of my past, right? And the drinking and the partying, all these things. And just having this heaviness and feeling this separation from God and and having this guilt and shame, and I remember going forward and finally receiving, right, or accepting what Jesus had done for me, and it was one of the first experiences ever was that I experienced for the first time in a long time was just a clear conscience, knowing that, that my sins, man, they, they were truly forgiven. That all the things that I had done that had kept me separated from God, man, it was gone. I don't even know how to explain it. I think it was definitely one of those e emotional moments. Uh, I mean, I, was, I remember all I could think about before this was going on was food. I was hungry. Um, but I remember after the fact, I didn't even care anymore. All I knew is that, man, I had walked into that place, the guilt of the world on my shoulders, and then coming out of that place just free, absolutely free, because there was a baptism of the heart, right? In Romans 8.11, this is what Paul says about this very thing. In Romans 8.11, he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul says we were dead men walking and now we have been made alive by the Spirit of God. And so, so two, two things we have so far. One, Jesus traded places with us. Right? The just for the unjust. And then we have the baptism of the heart. 
where God took our, really basically gave us a brand new heart, a new conscience, a clear conscience, right? And then, now there's our response. There's our response then. So as followers of Jesus, why is it critical right now for us to do good in this time? Why is that? Well, we'll look what, what he says next in chapter 4, verse 1. Look what Peter says next. He says, therefore, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, therefore, because of all that Jesus has done, because how Jesus suffered on our behalf, because Jesus not only became a babe, but then became a man and then suffered I mean, just to the intensity of all that we've gone through, right? Taking on the sin of humanity on his back and he suffered in our place. The idea is that he went on the cross and suffered just as though he himself had committed those sins, right? He suffered on our behalf because of all these things. Arm yourselves now, right? The idea is there, be ready. Have the same mind that he has that, that man, yes, in this time right now, there are going to be opportunities for suffering, for sure. And there's times that we're going to go through things, but we're not alone. And we don't suffer alone. Right? God understands everything we're going through. The heartbreaks, the heartache of even right now, the, the oppression that some of us, I think, feel at times during this, this time. All those things, we're not alone. Right? He suffered with us. But here, here is the key. Look what he says there. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries, In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. I think Peter just really just gives us this practical comparison that for us as followers of Jesus, right, it's time to let go of the past. It's time. We, we, it's almost like this appeal, this, this charge for us, almost like an appeal to our own conscience, like, haven't, aren't you done with living the way you used to live, of maybe approaching life the way we used to approach it? Right, the things that used to get us all excited, the things of the partying, the drinking. I mean, there he just goes right into the drunkenness. All those things that represent a life apart from God. Aren't we just ready to move forward in the newness of life? To let go of that? And I would say that not just even in what we would call like sin, but even for us as just simply human beings and how we would approach life's heartaches and and life's obstacles or even our ideologies and even our political views and all these things we approach life in a way that sometimes just really to mow people over and yet there's an appeal that right now during this time it is like this critical time for us as followers of Jesus to press in 
and, and to live this new life. Because really, I believe right now that that is the hope for our current situation. For, for people who are, man, dealing with the stress, and it has been stressful for sure, of COVID, and even for the, the political unrest that's happening right now, isn't that not the option for us as followers of Jesus to live like Jesus right now? To be for Jesus and to respond like with the heart of Jesus? To not be looking for answers right from elephants or donkeys, but be, to be looking at the Lamb of God who shows the way, rather than responding with, with arrogance, superiority, and all these other things that, that the Gentiles here, that he really, what he calls is just simply unbelievers. And yes, and even in that willing to, like what, what, what Peter said earlier, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And I just think for, for us, especially, maybe just, and a way of encouragement for us, it is like critical for us right now as followers of Jesus to be responding in the way of Jesus, to responding with a life that's willing to, to lay down our rights because we have one who traded places with us, one who traded places with us that he might give us, man, new grace for today. Because right now, I think, man, if there's to, to be any bridges built with humanity, it's that we're willing to extend grace. Because right now, there's, there's, as, as I look on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and on the news and news reports, there's not a lot of grace being extended right now. There's a lot of agendas and a lot of hatred that I think that's being fueled. And we, right, I, I think even how Peter says here, like, man, we've spent enough of our past lifetime living in that way, like people who have no hope. But now I believe it's a time for us as a church to press in with hope because we are a part of that living hope. Jesus came and indwelled in us and not just setting the, the, the wrongs right, but living through us and empowering in us, right? That we might live according to God in the Spirit. Jesus is greater than any good we'll ever do. He's far superior, superior to any make-believe time traveler doing good for the sake of just getting home. Jesus is the ultimate time traveler because not only did He trade places with us, He suffered in the flesh. And He freed us from us, from our flesh. And He took on our sinful nature. It was, it was the just for the unjust, right? He went to the heart of the matter and gave us new hearts by the baptism of his death and resurrection. Man, and then he sent us on mission and empowered us by his spirit, trading places with us, right? To make a new home, right? To include us in that. To make us a new home with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? In the kingdom of heaven and earth. And that is the God is for. So why do we do good? Because Jesus did good on our behalf. Man, that we might live for Him and with Him. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank You so much, Jesus, for Your grace and all of this, God. We thank You so much for, Lord, Your love and all these things. 